1: And welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. I'm joined here by another member of the 24-7 Sports Network from FightMassachusetts.com. It is our UMass writer, Michael Traney. Michael, we are just talking before we got rolling. Uh, I know you're you're making the tri- trip down to Auburn tomorrow. Have you, have, you, have you been to any other
2: SEC venues? And I guess, how much are you looking forward to this one? Uh, I've been to a few actually. I've uh caught South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida so far, so Auburn will be number 5. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Jordan Hare. A full stadium sold out, you know, a whiteout game it looks like, so that'll be pretty exciting to see. I mean that uh, that environment in the SEC is certainly unlike anything else for college football. It's always a good time.
1: Yeah, it should be good. They're uh, they're definitely looking forward to it after past couple years of these sorts of games uh usually didn't go out in their favor. Um, their, their whiteout last year was against, uh, was against Penn state and that, uh, that didn't turn out very well. I think that game was an orange out actually, but very anticipated game at the beginning of the year. And that was sort of the beginning of the end, but obviously now Hugh freeze is in place. Um, this is, as he noted, this will be the, uh, technically the biggest crowd ever because of the increased capacity. It's talking to some of my coworkers and like, eh, they've snuck some people in some sec games before that, uh, that are going to be much bigger than this one. But, all of that to say that it's obviously going to be a big road environment for UMass, but we'll we'll get started here and talk about the fact that um, UMass is already one zero on the season. Not only are they one zero, they got the program's first road win since 2018, and and Michael they looked pretty impressive in that game. Three turnovers, I thought, was the biggest part of that game um, because New Mexico State was doing some good things on offense, but you score 21 points off turnovers. That's a big uh, that's a big recipe to go and win on the road I guess just for starters before we start to break down this team how surprised were you with that performance or is this a team that Don Brown has maybe felt hey we've got some of the we've got some of the pieces together to to improve off of what was a a 1-11 season last year
2: yeah it's it was surprising and it wasn't I'd I'd say no one really expected 34 points from the offense 41 total Uh, that was they hadn't scored 40 points in a game I believe since 2018 as well so it's uh you know it's not something UMass fans have been used to, uh, particularly under the previous coaching regime with Walt Bell as the head coach. They were um, the worst team in college football, unfortunately, for several years. And and so to see them come out, go a long way to New Mexico and get a win like that, that's big. That road win in 2018, you talk about that was uh, at UConn, so that was only like 50 miles away. Um, it was it was an impressive win, but at the same time, John Brown. He really has an affinity for UMass. He coached here before uh, in the mid aughts He he took UMass to the uh, FCS national title game against App State in 2006. They they came up short, but he had a lot of success here. He was a coordinator on their national championship team at the one AA level in 1998. And and he really loves UMass. He made a point when he came back to say that he wanted to to get the the program back on the right track and and make it you know no longer a laughingstock. They wanted to be successful, and he wanted to be the man to help do it. So. That mentality at the top, uh, you know, having having an adult in charge, I think Auburn fans are probably of uh, a similar mindset now. It, it makes a, a, a massive amount of difference, and Brown has really brought that. And, and this team, especially defensively, has taken on his mindset. They, they love playing fast, running to the ball, getting to the quarterback. That's that's what they want to do.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to I'm excited to get in and talk to uh, talk about Don Brown later in this show because obviously, um, you know, a lot like a guy that Auburn's got on defense right now, Ron Roberts. Veteran coordinator, been around the block, made some big impacts at Power 5 programs, um, and just has such a complex scheme that, that makes things difficult. But I, I want to start on the other side of the ball. Um, obviously, quarterback is, is is a big focus for any team. And you and I talked about it in our, in our Q&A on the site. Um, but Tyson Pumanchon, former four-star player at Clemson, um, then went on to Georgia Tech. But they had a pretty good quarterback in, in Phillip Sims, so he didn't play much there. Now he gets his first start since high school in that New Mexico State game. And really, you could just see how much a dynamic quarterback opens up that offense. What did you see out of him this preseason? What did you see out of him in that first game? And really, how much does he affect that offense that, look, w- with some transfers in the mix, they've got dudes. Maybe, maybe they're not all SEC
2: caliber players, but they've got some power five players at skill positions. Yeah, I mean, Puma Chan's athleticism, that really is what set him apart. Uh, he and Carlos Davis, who was a transfer up from Western Carolina, uh, were battling for the starting quarterback job during the camp. And, they ended up going with Puma Chan, obviously more highly touted, uh, you know, as a former top 24-7 guy. But he, he, the difference between he and Davis, it was slim, but his athleticism and the pressure he can put on a defense, the pressure he put on UMass's own defense during fall camp really kind of set him apart and gave him the chance to start. The The offense that Steve Kasula, who's the offensive coordinator, likes to run is obviously a, a heavy RPO game, and but he wants his quarterback by design to run the ball a lot probably eight, ten, ten, 10, times a game at minimum. Uh, so last year, you know, he installed the offense, but he didn't have the horses. So, you know, they went out, they, they attacked those needs in the portal, specifically a quarterback and, and they went and they got Puma Chan and putting him out there. It's, it, as you can see, it was only one game, but that's what he's really looking for in his offense. Uh, you know, they can move quick. They, they can do, you know, the RPO passing game, quick slants over the middle. You saw that with Anthony Simpson, uh, an Arizona transfer, Christian Wells had a big catch up state transfer that that's what they're looking to do. And Puma Chan's ability to scramble uh, is the real dynamic to the offense that they didn't have last year. Uh, he led UMass in rushing yards in that game against Mexico state had almost hundred. I want to say 92 or 96, along with a touchdown. He had a, a, a massive fourth down conversion with his legs ran for about 30 yards on that play, having him in there it changes the way the offense moves offense and, and it's what Kasula has wanted to do since he came here last year. And now he's, he's able to do it and it makes a, a massive amount of difference.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing after, you know, Hugh freeze talked on Monday, Hey, we're really glad we have film on these guys because, you know, he faced UMass last season and there wasn't a, there wasn't a scheme change. Like you're saying there, they didn't change coordinators yet. He said, this looks so different. It's such a different team than the one he saw when he was coaching at Liberty last year and so I think you know even for a week one opponent even for a a team that Auburn is heavily favored against um, you know he said we scored 42 points at Liberty last year but it felt like 12 because that's how that's how difficult Don Brown's defense is um, to prepare for just talking a little bit who are some other transfers that they brought in I believe is it is it
2: 27 in this class or something close to that yeah, so they had a they had a twenty-two or twenty-three. I know twenty-four-seven ranks twenty-two of them. They also took a, a walk-on transfer, RJ Edwards, at linebacker from Arizona. So they had eight total transfers from Arizona, where Don was the uh, defensive coordinator in twenty twenty-one. Uh, I believe it ends up if you count RJ plus the two JUCO transfers, I, I think it lands at twenty-five total transfers. But yeah, they they were very heavy in the transfer portal. They knew they needed that. They knew they needed to get older, more experienced. And they made a point to do that uh, while also attacking specific positions, namely quarterback, but also wide receiver. And they, you know, they added a a good deal of talent on both sides of the ball. Uh, They were able to add some former top 24, seven guys like Isaiah Rutherford who had a pick six in that game in New Mexico state. He, uh, he initially signed with Notre Dame before going to Arizona. He had his best season in college to date with Don Brown in 2021 Jerry Roberts at Mike Linebacker has got one season left. He started for Don in 2021. So those connections with Don Brown they were, and, and the coaching staff at UMass, they were able to bring in a lot of kids who have been able to, you know, set themselves up to do a lot of good things, hopefully, for UMass over the course of the season. But they showed out well in the New Mexico State game. Uh, I mean, the biggest impact you saw was probably Simpson. Uh, he really broke out in that game. Uh, they're handing him the ball. They're throwing it to him. You know, that he's he's got a great deal of speed. He's very athletic. Uh, Sean Harris was a transfer up from uh, Stony Brook at the FCS level. He had a couple of catches. Uh, Mark Pope is another big name. Uh, a guy who played at Miami uh, was uh, was a very high four-star recruit in his original cycle and went to Jackson State. Didn't really get on the field there. I'm, people who've watched the, uh, the Jackson State, you know, Deion Sanders stuff probably saw him, you know, leave the team while he was at Jackson State. So he's got one year left. He's looking to make an impact. So they've they've really attacked the portal in it in so far anyway, one game. But it's it's made a lot of difference comparatively to what UMass has seen over the last several seasons. Let's
1: talk a little bit about what Peyton Thorne at quarterback for Auburn and and what they want to do on offense is going to be facing. Um, you saw some of that some of those complexities in the New Mexico State game. It seems like they gamble a lot and it pays off a lot. Now they did get burned on some plays as well, but I think that's just part of it. At the end of the day, they they forced three turnovers, and like we talked about, that's probably the weas- the reason they went out and won that game. What are some staples of a Don Brown defense that you've seen start to flesh themselves out in, in now heading into year two at UMass, and, and I guess what can Auburn fans expect to see from that unit that, you know, it's Auburn's got hat on a hat. Auburn's going to have more talent, of course, on on their side of the ball going against that defense, but you know, they're still working out things. There's still a lot of wrinkles for Auburn to work out on offense. So I am interested to see how Peyton Thorne is going to handle that. Just what is he going to be up against and uh, what does that defense look like overall?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's two main things that you'll see with the Don Brown defense. Number one, they go hand in glove. Number one is a lot of man coverage on the outside. They, he leans on his cornerbacks a lot. He personally coaches the cornerbacks wherever he goes. He's the cornerbacks coach at UMass and they run a lot of man coverage uh, in order to, bring all the different pressure and blitz schemes that he likes to, to use. They'll run multiple fronts, three, four, five down linemen. Uh, they'll blitz from everywhere. First, second, third level. It, it doesn't matter. He wants to get pressure on the quarterback. He wants to make the quarterback uncomfortable. And in turn, the idea behind that is that will cause turnovers. Now it, it worked pretty well against New Mexico state, three turnovers and, and 21 points off, uh, you know, made all the difference in the world in that game, but they did get burned a couple times. Uh, Jordan Mahoney, who is a UMass's junior cornerback, he he's a holdover from the, the previous staff, but he's, he's an excellent player. He did not have a great game. He was UMass's probably best defensive player last year. Uh, he got burned a couple of times by New Mexico state. I don't expect that to happen all over, like, you know, for the rest of the year, he might get burned against Auburn. Auburn's talent level, as you say, the talent gap is very high. So I, I don't want to single Mahoney out. He's an excellent player. He just had a bad day, but that is the kind of gambles you have to go with you you'll end up giving a couple of big pass plays up that lead to touchdowns but at the same time you can run a pick six or you know make another early interception like uh, Michael Oppong had to start that game so the man coverage schemes are uh what you Auburn fans can expect from UMass and then a lot of different blitz packages a lot of stunts twists like they'll do creative things to get pressure they'll overload i mean whatever it takes to make the quarterback uncomfortable he wants to make him he wants to make him move he wants to knock him down create negative plays that's what dawn's all about
1: what is maybe the the best and worst position group i know it's only been one game but from the preseason and and what you saw i only asked because i think auburn fans they obviously auburn hasn't played a game yet they have a pretty clear idea of what their strengths are what what the biggest strength is on the team and maybe some areas that have a lot of work i'm interested what 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 would you say is the biggest strength individual position wise and maybe the one that needs the most work
2: I'd say probably the secondary is the best group on the team for UMass. Linebacker, I would say, is a close second. But the secondary, I believe, has the most depth, the most talent, the most ability to do dynamic things, running all that man coverage uh, and also creating pressure when necessary and creating turnovers. I think that's probably the deepest group on the team. To flip it over, uh, the, the least deep group on the team, I would say, is probably tight end for UMass. Now, they've got a uh, former quarterback, Gino Campiotti. He was their quarterback last year. He's shifted to tight end, more of an H-back type tight end role. He started for them, caught a pass against New Mexico State. Kid's a football player. He, he loves the game. He, and this is actually the second time in his college career he's switched to tight end. Uh, he initially started at Northern Arizona as a QB. They moved him to tight end. He went to Juco to play QB, came here, didn't work again. But he did very well at tight end in that game against New Mexico State. Um, and I think UMass is hoping that he can kind of take over that role and, and be a threat. That position group for the last several years has not been a threat, uh, whether it's in, you know, they're not, they haven't been great blocking. They haven't been great receiving. You know, there's, there's been some spurts, but you know, the, the, the they have players on that group now, uh, Matt Smith, the Duke transfer and, and Annie filet, who's a local kid from mass that will help make it deeper and, and more of a problem for other teams, at least group of five teams when they play them this year. But that's probably the the group that has been utilized the least and wouldn't be the deepest on the team. So they they need a little more from that group, but compare it like, as I say, the the cornerbacks in the secondary, that's the deepest group UMass has to do the most damage.
3: Selling a little or a lot.
1: when I was looking over the summer at this team, that kind of stood out all the experience names they have there um, at defensive back Auburn can relate to that. That's probably the same for them. They got three or four NFL DBs. Um, that first level for them is, is pretty good. The second level is pretty young. He freeze calls them the the young puppies, but uh, if you can't, if you don't get to that second level, you're, you're pretty good off. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a really interesting matchup in my opinion, because something that was overlooked, I think on, on Monday, I can't remember if you freeze said it in a, in an answer that he was talking about something else maybe more important, but he kind of slipped it in there. He said, Yeah, talking about receivers. we're still running the wrong route half the time. And it's like they mm. it's an RPO scheme. You've got to be on the you know you've got to be on the money with your quarterback, knowing you know what he's gonna do. Can't run the wrong route. And so um you know I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes an issue in this game because like you said, they've got some experience there at defensive back. Um before I ask you, you know, to kind of break down your thoughts on the game and, and kind of how you see it playing out. What are your expectations this season? Again, only one game, um, but so far the returns have been pretty promising from that one game. I understand, like you said, it's been a good off season. Don Brown feels good. What are the expectations, both win loss wise, and maybe the trajectory of the program this year? What does our schedule look like? And, and what do you expect from the team throughout the season?
2: Yeah. So uh, before the season started, I did my preview. I, I pegged him at four and eight. I, I think that, a 4 and 8 season would be a huge step up compared to where they have been for the last 5 years. So if if they were able to get there that's legitimate progress for a team that needs legitimate progress so badly because they have struggled so much since they made the move to FBS in 2012 the unfortunate reality is that pretty much every pitfall and mistake and bad decision they could have made since they moved up they've made it. it it's almost you know it would be funny if it wasn't so sad and they've they've worked really hard to try to fix that and now they're on Don Brown coming back and it seems like with that win again only one win but it, it, the way it was done and on the road to start the season it feels like the, it it actually feels a little different this year so it, it, we'll see if it ends up ending up different but they have a chance with their schedule after Auburn, they're going to go home and play Miami of Ohio for their home opener. That's a, that's a sneaky good team though. So we'll see how well they do in that. That'll be a pretty good litmus test for them. They have two other games this year uh, at Penn state, a preseason top 10, another excellent team. And then uh, they have a home game against Toledo. Who's probably a top 25 team. One of the better teams in the G five, those ones, you probably wouldn't say that they're likely to compete in or, or, or to keep close, but the other nine games, including New Mexico state, there's, there's some good teams there. Miami of Ohio again, uh, you know, mi- mi- excuse me, Eastern Michigan went to a bowl last year and won it. Um, but they also have New Mexico at home, Arkansas state, you uh, know, they've got Yukon again and another bowl team from last year, but that's a, you know, a rivalry game at the end of the year, they, they play army with a new offense. They have an FCS game at home. So they, they've got games that they can definitely win. If, if they're, if they're going to play like the team that beat New Mexico state, you're, Four and eight is is definitely a good goal, and, and if they play with confidence and, and they they feel good about themselves, they could potentially even exceed that. Um, the program needs it, considering where they are as an FBS independent. Uh, you know, obviously, if you're not a service academy and you're not Notre Dame, FBS independence is not a sustainable long term solution. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the University of Massachusetts needs to find a conference. The Atlantic Ten is where they play the rest of their sports you know, but they're the only FBS team in that conference. And eventually they're going to have to make a decision about moving somewhere to back up and support their FBS program. The Atlantic 10 is not going to be that long-term solution. So a good season, a season that potentially could result in bowl eligibility would go a very long way to prove to other conferences out there with all this movement that's going on in the college football world, that UMass is a viable commodity and that's what they really need. But you know, the good thing about the way Don Brown approaches things is he really does – I mean, it is cliche, but he, he really does tell them to go one week at a time. You know, they went and they beat New Mexico State. This week it's just going to be about Auburn and, and doing everything they can to make this game competitive. And and they – they I mean, you know how college teams are. They believe they can win. It, it probably won't happen, but that's – they need to believe that. Then the next game will be – it'll be the same thing for Miami of Ohio and then it'll be the same thing for Eastern Michigan and so on. So if they can get to 4-8 and eight or better, it, it's really – a big step in the right direction.
1: Yeah. And whatever positives they're able to do in this game, they'll have a pretty big audience for it. I keep like, I keep reminding myself this game's on ESPN proper. It did. I I'm so used to sec network plus and ESPN U for these kinds of games. I don't know. It's a pretty weak, week. It's a pretty weak week one slate. And so uh, that's probably how they ended up there. But um, Michael, this game in particular, what are a couple matchups factors you're looking for on the UMass side saying, Okay, if they can do X and Y well, they can keep this thing somewhat competitive. They can do some good things because I think you and I are both in agreement. I know that we are because we picked the same score for this game, but it's I expected it to come down a little bit more in terms of the line after UMass's win. I think it was 39 and a half going into that game. Only came down to 38 right now. That's on that's on Vegas insider. This is not a betting podcast, but I just have a tough time seeing them cover at 38 because umass i think will get in the end zone a couple times like that would not be shocking maybe you have a drive down the field maybe you have a turnover leads to a short field if they get in the end zone two times auburn's got to score 52 points to cover and for a first you know first year offense in their first game that's a lot to do so i guess you know a to cover and b just to be competitive to see good things out of the team um and maybe you know auburn messes around me, more than most against these these kinds of teams. They almost lost to georgia State at home 2 years ago. It's, it's different but they've had some history in these kinds of games of of letting it get too close. What are a couple factors on the UMass side that you're saying if they do these couple of things well, they'll come away feeling good about their performance?
2: I think uh yeah, I think it's probably football 101. It's it's uh, run the ball effectively and stop the run if if I had to say. I I know, you know, Peyton Thorne as as a first year QB at Auburn, obviously not a first year QB in general. In a new scheme, I think UMass will probably be able to force w- at least one turnover based on the schemes they run with the blitz packages and, and the man coverage. Uh and you know, I I listened to you and, and Jason on your podcast, and and you know, he made an excellent point that if you make a read or a wrong read as a wide receiver in an RPO game, that could actually be the wide receiver's mistake, not Peyton Thorne's mistake if it ends up being an interception. But UMass's front seven trying to contain Auburn's running backs, that's going to be massive. I mean, Auburn's running back stable is is extremely talented. One of the better ones you'll see, uh, arguably, for UMass, it'll be them and Penn State over the course of the year for who's better at running back. So if UMass's front seven can slow them down while also on the other side of the ball running the ball effectively against Auburn's front seven, that will help with the new rules and, and the timing and everything help slow the game down, control the clock a little bit more. That's how UMass is going to have to do it. So I know Sportsline had to come down to 35. That was the last line I saw. So it opened 39 and a half. I saw the initial move to 38. And then after the win, it's sort of whittled itself down. Another field goal to 35. That's still a lot of points though. Um, I, I think UMass who, you know, while this is not a betting podcast, UMass is nine and one against the spread uh, against the SEC since they moved up and they've covered nine straight times. Uh, last one was Texas A&M last year. So, with 35 and and this team looking better than they have been with a defense that's, uh, you know, it was, I want to say, 55th, I believe, off the top of my head, total defense last year. Uh, not top 10. That was a mistake ESPN made. I don't know why they said that, but um, 55th is still great from where they started. They were like 115th, so two years ago. If if they can slow down the run and, and create a little confusion for Peyton Thorne, maybe pick one off, get a short field, like you say, Two touchdowns and a field goal puts Auburn in a position to score at that point 50 to cover uh, your not even covered in that case. So I I still think UMass will be able to cover in this game while Auburn wins comfortably. But what UMass needs to do more than anything, try to control the clock, stop the run and run the ball. Uh, But I think the biggest thing for UMass in this game, honestly, is to take the one point nine five million dollars and stay healthy. That's, you know, that's the reality of this game for a school like UMass. They they need, you know, G5 schools need that cash. And it, they're going to go down. They're going to get a chance to play for the second week in a row on ESPN proper, which is another thing UMass hasn't done probably in 15, 16 years. So that's that's a huge thing for them. Get the exposure, get the money, stay healthy, cover the spread, and then focus on the rest of their season.
1: Yeah, and, you know, hopefully for UMass's case, like you said, it's not it's not all doom and gloom in, in terms of projection this year so you can take some things like you said if you stay healthy if you do some things that you think are productive for uh for your team you can take a look at this one and uh, and look at it down the road and it be able to help you against like you said handful of winnable games for this team in terms of uh you know games they've got at home and games that aren't Penn State and Toledo like you said and so right. I'm glad you noticed that as well about uh I think Hugh freeze ended up just, Saying what he heard on ESPN, it was like, oh, they had a top ten defense last year. I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's accurate. I'm not entirely sure. That'd be really difficult to do for a for a one and eleven team. But yeah, definitely looking forward to this one um, on Saturday, two thirty on ESPN in Jordan hair Stadium. So, Michael, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today on the pregame pod. You guys can find him on Twitter at Michael Trainy. It's the word train with an I on the end and uh yeah i've i've really enjoyed following your stuff on twitter over the past several weeks i know a lot of auburn fans i think um have kind of locked in on some of the retweets the nine and one you know against the spread i think a lot of fans are like wow that's that's definitely an impressive number so go give him a follow um he'll give you lots of great perspective from the umass side of things heading into this game so uh, michael thank you so much for hopping on today if you guys enjoyed the show please go leave us five star review Number one thing that helps us out bumper music is by beats by mordecai you guys can follow him twitter soundcloud instagram We will catch you guys after the game when me and Jason recap it. And until then, everybody have a great weekend and enjoy the season.